0: Brick Moon Fiction presents Ava and Adolph's Last Mixtape by Eric Del Carlo, narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. No more flat out. Now it's sharps, jags, fang teeth everywhere I look, and the nerves skip and pull, and when they jerk like that, yeah, it's another toothy spike in the readout of my reality. Like I said, flat out is over. I'm spiky-mikey again. Miss me? But with everything jumping, with me seeing in the way I'm supposed to see, something is pretty gosh-fucked obvious. The whole world is leaping along with me this time. I come back to the me, the me me, and find the day-to-day all jumbled and psycho. People and things are jagging all over the place. It's not just me seeing them that way. They are like that. Even if I shut my eyes and hold my breath and grab my dick, everything is going to keep on bouncing. Even if, even if I went back to flat out, this shit would still go on rumbling because it's really happening in the real way the doctors told me about over and over and over and over. Fuck them. I couldn't flat out if I wanted to now. Or let's be serious here. If my family wanted me in flat out, it couldn't be done. The pharmacy doesn't have my meds anymore. The pharmacy's been looted all to hell. It got hit even before the banks. The other pharmacies in town too. Drugs over money. What a jag. What a crazy fuck spike. I'm absorbing the world crazy shit through TV and social media. Dad person is sitting in front of the flat screen in the living room. His jaw hangs and his eyes are bloodshot with festive red squiggles. He keeps muttering, I don't believe this. Don't believe it. I could give him some advice about how reality doesn't give him a rune flying ass fuck whether or not you believe in it. It's going to chug right on up the cliff face to the tippy top before gravity grabs it and yanks it back down. Or maybe this time it'll go right over the far edge into whatever abyss has been waiting there all along. Travesty. That's the big buzzword that keeps coming out of the TV, travesty. Scott, this repudiation of the election's lawful results is a travesty. And America, this presidential contest is an unparalleled travesty of fraud and tampering. We cannot, must not accept these grotesquely tainted results. There are two sides. They're using the same rhetorical tools to argue. It's noisy, so very noisy. Animated faces, not the cool, bland means newscasters are supposed to have. Graphics behind them, live footage, helicopter sweeps, handheld, street-level filming, raucous audio, screaming, lots of it, in streets, many, many streets, maybe all the way across the country. I don't remember what an election is. I probably did when I was flat out, but I wouldn't have cared about it, whatever it was. My medication quieted me until I was empty sleeves, vacant eyes, a dull ringing in the ears. I stand behind dad person and watch the jags on the big screen. Boom. An explosion. An explosion. It gets shown again and again for 10 straight minutes while voices bubble and babble until a newer, even more exciting loop of real-time carnage replaces it. I don't believe this. Dad person goes on disbelieving and watching. Mom person is elsewhere in the house, bustling, pulling cans out of cupboards and hauling camping gear from closets. I saw a gun on the kitchen table earlier. She hastily threw a dish towel over it and told me unconvincingly that everything was okay. I look into the broadcasts on the television set. The stronger, deeper patterns are there. The real story i can see the spikes again and i can understand them once more they look like a cardiac feed of someone in the throes of myocardial infarction jag 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 spike 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 but gaze deeper see beyond the forest of crags and sharpened points there's something behind the mayhem peeking out now and then eyeing the wreckage aloofly a cold mirth on the lips a gleam of privileged cruelty in the eyes dead person is changing channels rapidly like he's trying to get ahead of it all. The local station is running a test pattern. On another channel, a man with blazing eyes on the stage of an arena epic megachurch shouts, rise up, rise up brothers and sisters, fight, fight. On yet another channel, there's finally calm. It's a sitcom rerun. I watched this when I was flat out. It only takes two lines of dialogue for me to realize the profound depth of the show's mediocrity, but the ordinariness of the sitcom interspersed with a predictable regimen of banal commercials seems to unnerve dad person even more he jumps back to the news something's happening at the news studio itself confusion commotion gunshots ring out they sound hollow and fake the blood that spatters a camera lens looks phony too that's funny that's very funny Michael calm down just calm down dad person is yelling at me in a not very calm manner himself mom person has come into the living room She quiets dad person first before turning her attention to me. I think I've been laughing. Or swearing. I can really swear. But I've stopped now. Mom person is peering cautiously at me. She knows I'm spiky Mikey again. That makes her sad. And frightened. Michael, honey, maybe you want to go rest in your room. Okay? Okay? We might be taking a trip today. You know, never mind about that. A little rest now. Okay? Okay? Her hands are open. She's gently backing me out of the living room. I nod to her, but the movement feels spastic, so I stop it. I can go to my room. I can show her I can do that. Mom person and dad person never really had to worry about me so much. The grills were removed from my bedroom windows when I'd been flat out for a good long while. Mom person used to find me staring at them for hours on end. She thought they made me sad. They didn't. Flat out didn't let me be sad. I was probably just looking at the sky. The bars didn't make any difference. If anything, I bet the grills made her sad. But nobody's thought to put them back up since my flat-out ended. Can't blame mom person and dad person. Things seem awfully busy around here. I look out my windows. Partially cloudy sky. Smoke in the air, giving everything a sepia tone like an old-timey photograph. A daguerreotype. That's the word for old-timey photo. So much vocabulary has come back despite the new gaps. So much insight. So many perceptions now that I'm no longer flat-out. Outside the jags are there, nakedly visible to me. Perceivable too are the forces, the entities who are behind the tumult. Two sides contend, yeah, but a secret powerful body orchestrates. It has manipulated, it has caused all this. I want to see that body. I believe it will reveal itself to me. I will find the manipulators, but not if I stay here and not if I go with mom person and dad person on their trip. Uh, I must go out there alone. The window, shut so long, fights me some, but I get it to open. I have not grown so big during my trophic flat-out in adolescence that I can't fit through. Out I go. Familiar grid of streets. The occasional suburban cul-de-sac. Our house is in a nondescript residential patch of the town. Single-story dwellings. Vehicles in the driveways. Brittle autumnal leaves along the gutters. I walk in the center of the street, crunching in broken glass now and then. Some homes are boarded up. Some are in the process of being boarded up. Wine of power tools, hammers ring on nail heads. The people doing the barricading turn to watch me as I pass. Suspicious gazes, faces brimming with fear. Some of these people have guns on their person or guns nearby. They pause in their fortifying, lift the weapons. Gunmetal gleams. Oiled stocks. Magazines stuffed with urgent bullets. I don't vary my pace. I pass on by. There must be people living side by side with those who are on the opposite side of this great calamity. Neighbors. Now, enemies. Enemies in individualized armed encampments. Gunshots in the distance. They sound slightly less fake than the ones on the TV. I look up into the scudding November sky. I count one, two, three, five, seven different aircraft up there. Single engine prop planes, mostly. There's an airstrip outside the town limits. People are taking to the skies then. Fleeing the land. Get up in the clouds, stay there. Not a bad plan. Have to touch down once in a while for fuel. But birds on the wing don't get eaten by cats and foxes. An engine guns behind me. An SUV is barreling down, not swerving, not slowing. The driver will take it straight through me. I step out of the way. The roof of the vehicle is strapped with a haphazard mound of goods. A suitcase tumbles free of the spiderweb of bungee cords as it passes. The brake lights never flash. I come to a street where every parked car has had its windows starred or broken out entirely. Glass is everywhere in a crystalline spray of shatterfrost. On the next block, I see my first burning house. On the block after that, I find my first dead body. He's crumpled and undignified, balled up on the sidewalk in a still spreading pond of blood. The blood doesn't quite look real. It's a little too matte, but it has a quality which TV and movie blood never have. I can smell this stuff. It's like hot pennies with a vague organic undertone. I know for certain this is a corpse because enough of the head is missing and the rest is ragged streamers that no life can be there anymore. I see my first police at an intersection. But it's just the fire-skeletonized remains of a prowl car. A shirtless man is urinating on the smoking front grill. He holds a baseball bat aloft. He's a jag, a jerking jump in the readout, fleshy representation of the greater whole. His violence has been gifted to him. His barbarity has been coaxed to the surface. Manipulators. They are above all this. Immune. Insulated. They must be. They would never endanger or even discomfort themselves but they've got no qualms about unleashing upheaval on the rest of the country, maybe even on the world. This election was being closely watched by other nations. I knew that even when I was flat out, but the concept of other nations held no interest for me. Reality was dull where I was. It would be dull elsewhere. Just leave flat out Michael alone and he'll quietly watch his TV programs. I've reached a commercial street. There's been a lot of activity here. Shop fronts are busted open, even those which were cautiously boarded up ahead of looting and rioting, no police. Why would they be here? Police are people. They're dad persons and wife persons, and they've got families of their own to worry about. People are still going in and out of the violated stores. I eye the movements. I seek the deeper meaning. Something tickles in my brain. I'm sensing the outline of the code, the parameters of the silhouette. My jaw suddenly aches. I'm grinning, grinning in a way that would probably frighten mom person. On a concrete wall, words have been spray-painted. Find and eat the 1%. The number captivates me. One. One. Yes, a minor percentage. Vanishingly small, but invested with vast power, capable of great malignant influence. Self-servers to the core. Manipulators of the First Order. The tickling, again, growing more intense. My mind doesn't work like the minds of most people. I know that but it has its ways, its rules, its habits. I waited out. The flat out has been going away over the course of a number of days, ever since the last of my now irreplaceable meds got used up. I've been absorbing since that process started, my brain drawing in data in its own manner, rejecting some points, embracing and enhancing others. I've been seeing the world again, like I hadn't in a very long while. As flat out left me, this new outside chaos has been emerging and swelling. I've seen it on TV, on social media. At first, it was dull intelligence, stuff I wasn't interested in. But the information came to me nonetheless. I assimilated it on some level. Billionaire bunkers. It was a term that got a lot of play. Before the crisis became more immediate, more personal, and people stopped caring so much about anything even a little bit abstract. Billionaire bunkers. Rumors? Urban legends? No. No. There was proof, fortress-like preserves, where the richest of the rich could retreat in complete safety during times of maelstrom, billionaire bunker. An alliterative term, easy to remember, easy to have feelings about, like deadbeat dad. Billionaire bunkers were for the effete, the aristocrats, where they could go to get away from from all that they had caused. Find and eat the one percent. That sounds like a good idea. I see the limo. It's an armor-plated affair, and the two overturned gun-turret Humvees must have been escorting it. The scene is fairly easy to reconstruct. A city bus blocked the street, maybe rolled out at the last second as a trap. The two military vehicles are badly scorched. Molotov cocktails, my guess. The mob. It must have taken a lot of people. Had to have rained the improvised bombs down on the Humvees, enough to smoke out the personnel inside. They came out guns blazing, but the crowd had guns, too they second-amendmented the shit out of the privately paid soldiers. Then they flipped the vehicles onto their sides just for giggling shits. Special attention was given to the black stretch limo. It was a symbol. Gruesome affluence, the chariot of the aristocracy, every centimeter of the body has been hammered. The damage is evident despite the armor plating. Bulletproof windows have been shattered. That must have taken some effort of will. But the mob wanted its fun. They got inside the limousine, They pulled every door open, tore two off their hinges. The interior is ravaged. Upholstery ripped out, dashboard smashed. The driver's corpse is relatively intact. He is a rag pile on the street. The other two occupants, two I estimate by the quantity of blood, were simply shredded. Flesh was skinned from bone, appendages sawn off, skulls crushed, the insides scooped out and flung about. The mob's red footprints tell of the bloody scrum. I follow the movements. I see the pieces scattered, the fleshy chunks here and there. It may well be that some among the crowd took the spray-painted advice I saw earlier. Some of that flesh may indeed have gotten eaten. Now the area is deserted. The street the small caravan was on leads out of town, to the westward Greenlands, the slowly rolling rural hillsides and sweeping valleys. Privately owned land. Vast acreages. A few wineries. Rich land. For rich people. A good place for a bunker. But so much territory out there. So many places to secretly excavate, to haul in supplies and luxuries. Even if I found the mob responsible for this carnage and led them west on a search and destroy, it wouldn't do any good. The billionaire bunker would be in full lockdown. We wouldn't have the access codes. It's something of a shame that the two limo occupants were slaughtered. Now, don't get me wrong. Fuck those two, whoever they were. They were wealthy on a conspicuous and grotesque level. They earned their deaths. But they would have known the codes, the way in. How sweet it would have been to get inside, to find the other one-percenters no doubt ensconced there. It would have been worth rallying the mob for that, whipping up the fervor, focusing it. We could have taken our time with the bunker people, let them really know what was happening, let them really feel it as their deaths came for them. The spikes and jags jerk my body, muscles snapping and jumping. I grab onto the battered top of the limo. I lean inside, letting the spasms run their course. After a time, my vision clears. The limousine carried goods as well as passengers. Luggage lies in tatters, the contents mostly carried off. I reach for something on the floor of the vehicle, among the torn-up carpeting. It's a handheld device. A high-end gaming gadget. I got a much cheaper one of these as a reward for sticking to my meds, but in flat-out I had no interest in the games. I look around the murder scene. I find the desecrated remains of the two heads. The size of the jawbones tells me that these were both adults. Probably a woman and a man. A mom person and dad person. And they had a child, probably someone around my age. And he was in the car, but he somehow got away. I back up. I take it all in. My perceptions are white, hot now, almost in overload. I might have another fit soon, but my brain is whirling in that special way, freed from all restriction, circling the scene, drinking it all in. I have it. I check the limo's interior again. One of the seats rocks forward on tracks. There's a cubbyhole behind it the child hid there when the attack started. He stayed in the hidey hole while his parents were torn apart. Then finally, he emerged. He saw what had happened, he panicked, and fled. There, his footprints, in his parents' blood, a straight line away from the scene, running, just the toe prints showing. I grin, until it becomes painful, jaws aching, throat muscles straining, I have to massage my jawline to get everything to relax again, I start after my query. A child of pure privilege, born to be corporate royalty, something delayed the family, kept them from reaching the bunker in a timely manner, forcing them to make this desperate run. They surely thought they would make it. Their mercenaries in the armored vehicles would see them through. They, after all, were untouchable. Now they're scraps, and their scion is all alone. The house is thin out along this westward street. There are weedy lots, a few broken-down homes, a trailer or two. The toe prints have vanished, the blood worn off. No one else is around. The houses aren't even occupied. This is the last condemned stretch of the town before the majestic bucolic sprawl of entitled greenery. I stop. I look around again, studying, seeing deep. The door on a trailer isn't quite closed. I move toward it on its dusty lot. It's a weathered thing, permanently beached here, The windows are dark with cobwebs. I pause outside the door. I hear a tinny sound. It's music. Something with a heavy bass line. I pull open the door and step up into the trailer's interior. It hasn't been occupied for a long time. It's occupied now, but not by a resident. This is a fugitive. A refugee. He is huddled at the far end of the empty and disused mobile home. He sits on the floor, his head down, rocking slowly forward and back. He left behind his gaming device, but took his earbuds and music player. He is solacing himself with that music. Maybe it's a personal playlist. He doesn't see me. Doesn't hear me. His parents didn't make it to the bunker. He might, though. I might keep him alive, for when I gather the mob and lead them west he could be useful. Or it might just be fun to have him along to prolong his suffering, to let him share in some of the agony that his kind has inflicted on everyone else for so long. Maybe mom person and dad person were right to worry about me, after all. Or worry about themselves, really. I know I can make this boy talk. I know I can get the access codes, whatever they are, out of him. He'll be reluctant at first, but I'll be persuasive. I might even listen to his music while I do my work. Grinning, I start toward him, down the hollow of the abandoned trailer. Eric Del Carlo has been compulsively, convulsively, and propulsively writing fiction for the vast majority of his lifetime. His successes include multiple appearances in such world-renowned science fiction publications as Analogue and Asimov's. The anthologies he's appeared in are beginning to crowd his bookshelf. His novels range from Sword and Sorcery... Wartorn, written with Robert Aspirin, to Urban Fantasy, The Golden Gate is Empty, written with his father, Vic Del Carlo, to his upcoming young adult title, The Vampire Years. He's written podcasts for Earbud Theater, had his novels released as Russian editions, written scads of erotica, and seen his fiction chosen for a year's best anthology. He writes because he doesn't know how to stop, and because he's determined to carve out every last worthy word he can while he still walks this world. Also, he's eager to know you, so contact him via Facebook. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.